Um, I'm excited. There is a place I want to go tonight to Hebrews chapter 3. And I don't want to fall into the trap of so many times I'm thinking, what new thing can I share? But I don't want to fall into the trap of, oh, we've heard that before. I've heard that before because Peter said, I want to always put you in remembrance. So there's something about this, this, is, this word has got to become incarnational. It, it, when I say that, I mean it's got to be in our, in our spirit. And, and, and the spirit affects the, the flesh, everything in the temporal when you think about the spirit. So I, I hope that you understand once we get a hold of this and we begin to walk in this, and we begin to understand as we, the pathway of the righteous grows brighter and brighter into the perfect day. Uh, we're moving on to perfection. And uh, it, it means that we've covered some ground, but God's got some more stuff he wants us to know. It's, there's, some, there's some things that I believe, uh, you may hear me repeat it, but it's because I need to hear it as well. I need to get this. So in my spirit, because there's a place God wants to bring us to that's a, really a place of, of rest that I'm going to talk about that. And uh, God's, uh, oh, it's like, man, he just keeps opening it up. And in Hebrews chapter 3, you know, one of my devotions was Psalm 62 this week. And I shared that, I think, with Amy, uh, some of the verses from there, because he talks about the faithfulness of God. He said, I stand silently. One verse says, I waited and waited and waited quietly for the Lord. Now, that's important because the enemy wants us to speak with, in a negative way. He, want, he, he can only attach himself to the, to the words that we speak, and they have power. He tries to feed us thoughts, but he, he said, I'm waiting as long as it takes. I'm silently listening for the one I love. Waiting as long as it takes for the Lord to rescue me, for God alone has become my Savior. He alone is my safe place. Now, let me tell you what the enemy will do. He'll try to make you think that if things are this way or things would just change, and uh, that, there, that he, he wants you to believe that circumstances have got to change for you to be in a safe place. But I'm about to, I'm about to really wreck his little playhouse. Because I got something here that I'm so excited about. People, you know, I know I've lived here. So I can talk about this. I've lived this. If I had enough money, if we could just make the ends meet. Can't even find the ends. <laughs> if, if we, you know, it's amazing because God has never failed us. And, and uh, your evidence here tonight that you made it through some stuff. And you will make it through some stuff because he's faithful. It says, he alone is my safe place. His wraparound presence always protects me. He's my champion defender. There's no risk of failure with God. Did you hear that? There is no risk of failure. The enemy wants to make us think of failure. 
But I want you to go over with me to Hebrews chapter 3. And I want to really build your confidence and, and hopefully that we can all come into this place that unlike any other place, it's amazing. Uh, the Lord is, has just really been drawing me. I've been in the Word a lot uh, most days. And prayer is like, uh, it's like a spirit of prayer. I'm always, I wake up thinking about the Lord. I, I wake up wanting to be close to Him. And in relation, I go to sleep wanting to be close to Him. And I thank Him. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for you. And, and God has blessed us so much. So, he says here in Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse 19, we're going to read into chapter 4 because I think it's significant. And this is the King James. So they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now, I want you to tell you something. Unbelief is not a, a, an absence of faith. Unbelief is a lack of confidence. It's a, it's a untrusting kind of attitude. That's what this unbelief. It actually comes from a word. If you look at the word, it means apistia. It means to, be a, a, to have a weakness of faith. It, it's actually to be unfaithful but it also uh, has to do with trust. There's uh, untrustworthy. God, when, when we look at unbelief, they couldn't enter in to what? To the rest that's mentioned in the verse before because of their, they didn't trust God. They'd seen all the miracles. They'd seen the miracles they, they had and I want to tell you something right here. What I believe, it wasn't Israel's faith that delivered them from Egypt. It wasn't their faith that caused them to go out laden with the wealth of Egypt. It, didn't, it wasn't their faith that caused the cloud to lead them by day and the fire by night. It wasn't their faith. It wasn't Israel's faith that parted the Red Sea. There, there's some things that God will do to bring you to where He wants you to be so He can begin to show. The, the thing that kept them out of the promised land was unbelief. It was because of their... The promised land is a picture of rest. And, and they'd seen all these miracles. All these things that God had, had performed. And, and they still didn't trust God. What an offense to see God bringing them. They took 40 years to go 11-day journey. Took them 40 years because of their lack of confidence. They didn't really have the confidence in God. Now, let's, let's look at chapter 4. Hang with me. We're going somewhere. I'm probably going to read the Pratt Passion. If it's... He says, now the promise of entering into God's rest is still for us today. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. 
Now, the rest he's talking about is not when we get to heaven. He's talking about a rest that is, it's amazing. He says, for we've heard the good news of deliverance, just as they did. Yet they did not join their faith with the word. That, that means because they did not join in with those who heard the message. Now, as the translation, they didn't join Joshua and Caleb. There were two who had complete confidence, who, who was not moved by unbelief or the giants. But the Bible said they didn't join with those who believed the word and trusted God. And the Bible says, instead, when they heard, what they heard didn't affect them deeply for they doubted. Now, that's why I want to keep on, I want to get this so in my spirit that it affects me. That it so affects me that the giants won't shake me. That whatever trouble comes in my direction, I still believe the promise. Though my children seem to be getting further away from God, I'm still going to believe the promise that He will save me and my house. Even though my body may be, I have this stuff going on and there may be some symptoms, guess what? I, I believe the promise. I believe that the promise is already uh, finished in the heart of God. So I want to completely have confidence and trust Him because that's the place of rest. When you don't let the giants... And the circumstances affect you. But you let the word of God, the promise of God. He says, he said, instead they heard, what they heard didn't affect them deeply for they doubted. For those of us who believe faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. For he has said, I was grieved with them. And made a solemn oath, they will not enter into my rest. God's Now, now I want you to see this. I'm going to highlight this. Because I don't want to forget it. God's works have all been completed from the foundation of the world. Wait. Now, let me, let me just give you an example. If I were to start saying to you, please be seated. You can sit down now. Please sit down. You'd start, if I kept saying that, you would say, this poor man has some issues. Because you're already seated. Now let me ask. Now, according to his word, let me just use this example. Do we need to be healed? Or do we need to come to the revelation of rest that he's already healed us? By his stripes, we were healed. You understand, God, God, He wants us to come into this revelation of rest where it's already done. Even though we may still be going through the pressures and, and may be weighted down with the, 
the, the, the circumstance and the situation, but there's a place of rest that we've come into where we believe the promise and we know, it, we know it's going to come to pass. Regardless, God's going to do it because he said he would and he's faithful to do that. Come on, you understand. Let me give you an example. Let me stop and preach right here just a little bit if you'll hang with me. Come on, somebody. Woo! Over Numbers 23, it was Balak, uh, the king of Moab, who wanted to hire Balaam, the soothsayer, to come and curse God's people because they were so many of them. Balak was outnumbered. The Moabites were outnumbered by the Israelites, and they said, they're over against me, and I'm really worried. I need to call that man over here and let him curse them. So Balaam comes over. I mean, he's already in trouble because he went. Even though God finally said go, God knew what was in his heart. He knew that he was greedy. And, and, and Balak had sent messengers and he wouldn't go. He said, well, the, the Lord spoke to me. You know, God can speak to the ungodly. And he told me not to go. So he sent princes. He sent the elite of his kingdom to go and tell him, I'll give you everything up to my, the gold. I'll give you all of this treasure if you'll just come. And Balaam said, if you gave me your whole house filled with gold and silver, I can't say anything other than what God's already said. And he finally goes, and we know God puts a, a, a voice in the, in the donkey, Balaam's donkey. Because Balaam don't see the angel that's standing in the way trying to prevent him from doing this unrighteous act. He, the, the Bible said on the New Testament, he, he desired the unrighteous wages to do what God said couldn't be done and shouldn't be done. So we know he goes and, and, and they build seven altars in three different places and they sacrifice and Balaam opens his mouth and he blesses Israel because God puts the words in his mouth. Right. And Balak so enraged by the third time, he said, what are you doing? He said, I told you I can't curse what God's blessed. And if you read, you'll find the history of it. In the book of Deuteronomy, God turned the curse into a blessing, is what it says. You'll find it in Nehemiah and Micah. you find it over in the book of Jude, where it talks about Balaam and how God turned the curse into a blessing. Now, we need to hold on to that. Because... He said, God's works have all been completed from the foundation of the world. When was Jesus crucified? Before the world, before the foundation of the world. He was also crucified 2,000 years ago, but, but in the heart and mind of God, it was already done in eternity. It was already completed. I'm taking you somewhere. For it says in the scripture, on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, as stated before, what they will not enter into my rest. Those who first heard the good news of deliverance failed to enter into that realm of faith's rest because of their unbelieving hearts. Yeah. 
Yet the fact remains that we still have the opportunity to enter into the faith rest and experience the fulfillment of the promise for God still has ordained a day for us to enter into called today. There's some preaching right there. Now notice he didn't say tomorrow or next week. <laughs> He's ordained a day for us to enter into that rest called today. For it was long afterwards that God repeated it in David's words, if only today you would listen to his voice and do not harden your hearts. Now this promise of rest was fulfilled when Joshua brought the people into the land. God wouldn't have spoken later of another rest yet to come. So we conclude that there's still a full and complete Sabbath rest waiting for believers to experience. Now let me tell you something right here. Do you know who the Sabbath is now? Jesus is our Sabbath. That's whoo. He says, he says, as we enter into God's faith rest, we cease from our own works just as God celebrates his finished works and rest in them. So then we must be eager to experience the, this faith rest life so that no one falls short by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief. For we have the living word of God, which is full of energy. That word energy uh, is all effective. Like a two-mouthed sword. Comes out of God's mouth and it should be coming out of our mouth. He said, it'll even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. There is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God for nothing that we do remains a secret and nothing created is concealed, but everything is exposed and defenseless before his eyes to whom we must render an account. So then we must cling in faith to all we know to be true. For we have a magnificent king priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us and now sympathizes with us in our frailty. Now, let me tell you, most of the time, God will be merciful to us and he'll comfort us, he'll strengthen us. But, but, but there's times God, he won't come to us in our lack of confidence to give us breakthrough. Now, I'm going to qualify that in a minute. He said, he was tempted in every way just as we are conquered sin. So now we draw near freely and boldly to where grace is enthroned to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in, in our time of weakness. Now, in the King James, there's a passage in there that says, let us labor to enter into that rest. That labor doesn't mean toil. That word, actually the translation is a Greek word, spadizo. It's where we get the word speed. It means, let us, don't tarry, don't delay, quickly enter in to that rest. So, how do we do that? First, We've got to, I've been talking about this and, and I'm really, so many people I see struggle with 
trying to fix their behavior. I meet with the guys and a lot of them tell me how they tried to quit. They, they tried to fix their behavior. But, but can I just present this to you that I believe a lot of the behavior is connected to a broken identity. It's where it starts. Not knowing who we are. Not knowing how deeply we're loved. Now the children of Israel, they couldn't go into the rest because of a lack of trust. They didn't believe that they were so deeply loved. They didn't believe that this great big heavenly father that had brought them through all he brought them through would bring them into the promise. They saw the giants. And they, they became what they, they became in their own eyes what they thought the giants thought about them. We were grasshoppers in their sight, so we were in ours. That's not who we are. Come on, you understand that, that wrong behavior is usually because of a skewed identity. It, there's an identity crisis going on. And, and I, I want to tell you that, that many times I've heard people say, that's not who I am. You've probably heard that too. I don't know why I did that. That's not who I am. Well, I'm here to tell you tonight, there's a place of rest you and I can come. This place of beloved identity, this understanding how deep we're loved by the Father and Jesus. Oh, that we can come into this place of rest. Well, we begin to understand that no matter what we face, it's going to be all right. Because I know what the promise is. If God's work was completed before the foundation of the world, guess what? Whatever I face, as far as he's concerned, he's already fixed it. Because the Bible said he's redeemed us. Now, now watch this. Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us. He bought us back from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree. Watch this. That the blessing of Abraham might come on us and we would give, be given the promise of the spirit now let me ask you a question how many years ago did God announce that covenant blessing on Abraham Genesis 12 by Genesis 13 it says he was very rich <laughs> and he was also protected God protected him and kept him because he believed God even took his son to the mountain to, to sacrifice his son because he believed God was able to raise him up even if he went through with it. But God wasn't about to let him go through with it. He already had a plan before he ever left with the boy. He already had a ram coming up one side of the mountain while he's coming up this side of the mountain. Ooh. Now, let me, let me propose this to you. Hang with me. I hope I got time. Yeah. But master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. They're professionals. They fished at night. And the reason they fished at night, because the fish couldn't see the net. I believe 
that God probably spoke to the fish that was headed for the net and said, not tonight. Not yet. Because they were expending themselves in self-effort. About to preach now. This is a picture of self-effort. They're trying to do what they had always done and prosper in it. And God said, not tonight. I got another plan. I want to move you out of your own self-effort into a place where it's going to be so easy. And I'm going to send my son. The, 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 the dawn comes and the, and the Bible said Jesus told them, said, launch out into the deep and let down your net for a catch. And Peter said, we've fished all night. And we've caught nothing here. Self-effort. This is toil. He said, let me show you what rest looks like. Let me show you what. Woo! And they throw the net. They said, we fished all night. Nevertheless, at your word, that's what we'll do. And they launched out through the net and caught 153. What's What? Come on, you understand that they caught in the daytime what they had never caught before because they had left self-effort behind and now they're moving in the favor and the rest of God because they're listening to the word now. Come on, somebody. And now through their obedience to the word, they trusted that God would take care of business and they didn't lack the confidence to believe, so they threw their net. They, they believe Jesus shows up with a multitude, 5,000 men beside the women and children, and takes five loaves and, and two fishes, and he blesses it and breaks it, turns into 12 baskets full. And then there's five baskets full. And then he's, uh, you understand, he shows up at the tomb of Lazarus in John 11. And he looks up to God, his father, he says, Father, I thank you that you heard me. We, we don't need to have this conversation, but I'm talking to you because of them. I already know. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Woo. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost now. Remember what Jesus said, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. So, so in the, now, if, if you ask... He said, it shall be given. If you seek, you shall find. What are you looking for? I tell you what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a deeper relationship with him. Because in him is all the wisdom that I need to navigate through life. So if I seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, his righteousness, all these things will be added unto me. So what does that his righteousness look like? If he was made to be sin and I was made to be righteous... Whose righteousness is it? It's his. Ooh. Come on now. He's preaching. You have the righteousness of God. His righteousness. And the one thing the devil don't want you to believe is that you quite haven't been good enough. If he made you righteous, come on, it's time to throw your net 
and listen to the word and throw your net for a, for a catch. Because here's what the Lord wanted me to tell you. I don't know what, there are, we, there are so many crises, so, so many situations. My wife and I drove up and it was coming a down flood. We got here at six because I wanted to do a little adjustments and I got to do some more adjustments to my legs. The legs are not long enough on my steel. So I was trying to, uh, you know, I, I, I was trying to fabricate a new way to make it the legs longer without spending $175. I only spent 11, but I'm still going to do it. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and it's going to work, but I got to do some adjustments to it. But when I got here, it was raining and I told Deborah, I said, I'm just going to say, even stop all that. Cause I, and I told her, I, she said, you better take the umbrella. I said, I'm going to get it. I'm gonna set, I said, I'm going to, I looked at her. I said, I'm going to act like it's not even raining. And she started laughing. <laughs> I popped that um, little umbrella up. And big old me got under that little umbrella. And she said, your back's getting wet. And I said, I can't feel a thing. <laughs> you understand Joshua and Caleb? They said, let's go now, because we're well able. While the others were talking about giants, Joshua and Caleb was talking about milk and honey. Because that's what God said. They're talking the words of God. And you understand, when you begin to enter into that place of rest, it means that you, you stop trying to work it out. You, you stop trying to get your children saved, I know, by experience. You stop, and I said, Lord, thank you. Today, I said, as I was studying this, I said, Lord, if your works have already been completed, my children are already saved. I just want to thank you for it, Lord. <laughs> They're just having a time catching up, but I know the timing of God is impeccable, but it's going to happen. I'm just going to rest in that fact. Come on, somebody. I'm going to rest in that. No, I'm not going to get on board with the enemy gloom and doom and agony on me train. You know, that's where the enemy wants to get you. But, but you got to understand, to enter into that rest means that you don't allow the circumstances of the world or the devil to control what you believe. Because if you do, he's going to keep you out of the rest. He'll keep you out of the rest. He, he's terrified that you're going to come into the place where it's settled. He said it. It's going to happen. He said labor to enter into that rest in the King James. Spidazo. You can look it up in the Strong's. In the Greek, it means make haste, hurry up, come on in. You, you need to speedily come into that rest. It's not legal. Let me tell you something. In the kingdom of God, it is not legal for us to stress and, and work to come into the rest that Jesus paid for. Let me say that again. It's not legal. And the enemy knows it. For us not to do it. So God's given us the right. Over in Psalm 62... I'm going to close with this. David says, I've heard this once, 
if I've heard it once, I've heard it twice, that power belongs to God. That word twice means it's significant. If you heard it twice, there's something to this. There's over in the New Testament, there's two kinds of power. There's the authority and there's the miracle working, dunamis, exousia and dunamis. He said, I've heard this twice. And I thought, Lord, you're amazing. That means you have the authority. Elohim is the word for God. There's power with God, power with Elohim. You have the authority and you have the ability. And Lord, help me not to begin to, 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 to strive to get something you've already given me. Let, woo. So, so here's what we do. Praise. Thank you, Lord. Remember, that's what Jesus stood, did at Lazarus' tomb. He said, Father, thank you that you always hear, you've heard me and you've always heard me. Take away the stone. Come on out. Oh, he shouted. I'm sure he shouted, but he didn't have to. He didn't have to. Remember the centurion? Comes to Jesus and said, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof because I'm a man who has authority and I understand authority. You have authority. If you'll just speak the word, my servant will be healed. There's the rest. There's the confidence. And Jesus is speaking to the religious crowd. He said, all you looking for are signs and wonders. Jesus even said at one point, he said, he said, if you don't believe me, at least believe for the work's sake. At least. That's the least amount of faith. He's talking. He said, that's the least amount of faith. At least believe for the, for the sake of the miracles. But you understand that the, the absolute apex of faith is to walk in that place of rest where God said, I'm leading you into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. By his stripes, we were healed. Read that again in Hebrews 4. Meditate on that. Repeat that to you, that God's works have been completed since the before the foundation of the world. They're already completed. Oh, my goodness. So I'm, I, I'm praying, Lord, just let me come to the place where I realize and enter into that place of rest where I'm already healed, where I'm already delivered. I have everything I need that pertains to life and godliness. That's what Peter said. We have everything we need. We've been made partakers of the divine nature. I was talking to a man yesterday, delightful man, raised Catholic, Jewish man, blessed probably more than he knows. And he was, he was questioning me, looking at me, puzzled about, I said, when God made you, and I'm going to say it to you. He, he didn't make another one like it. He actually broke the mold when he made you. Let me ask you a question. Do you think this awesome creator, this God, 
who created us and knew that we was going to show up would create anything and boring? Come on, somebody. <laughs> Do you think he would create anyone that would be boring to him? Let me, let me ask that. Ooh, this is going to change your perspective. Because I'm telling you, I, thought, I know the Holy Spirit began to talk to me about this. He said, do you think that God would create you and be bored with you? I'm going to shout, praise the Lord. <laughs> do you think that he would allow you to come into the world created in his image and look at you and say, boy, I messed up. No, rather, let me tell you, I think he's fascinated with the treasure that he found in you. He's not bored at all. He said, I'm so in love with you, I sit up at night, I never get sleepy looking at you. Come on, he said, the young men shall grow faint and the, the, he said, they'll get tired, but I never grow weary. I sit up all night and watch you because I'm fascinated with you and I love you. You're the work of my hands and I didn't make anything that I'm disappointed with. Oh, he's disappointed with, with some of the, the out. Shoots and and the wor and the broken identity that people have, where where they begin to it begins to manifest in their behavior. But I want you to think about that. The fact that you were born, that you were <laughs> there's some things in our life. The Lord began to show me some stuff. Let me give you one more analogy. And we're going to pray. I don't know what time it is, but. I've always sent her roses and flowers and, you know, 47 years later, I just have to tell you, honey, those were dead flowers that you got. They were dead. Come on, somebody. They, they still had the life, the, the representation of the life they had, but they've been cut off from the source. about to shout again. There's some things we, we just need to cut off from the source that brings us any kind of anxiety and, and, this, and, and lack of trust. And, and the enemy will try to cause us to, to begin to buy into that because he knows the risk of those who enter into the rest and the confidence that God's already done the work. We're just going to wait till it shows up. So I want you to stand with me. So what's happening while I'm going through? And I'm telling you, it's really a test when you got like, are we live streaming, Tim? I got to be careful what I say right here. When you got, yeah, when you got nine people, was it nine in the house? And they coming in and out. You cook breakfast in shifts. <laughs> it's a good number, right? 
I told my wife today as I sat there and, and we, we get these really needy texts quite a bit. Got that many people, there's going to be some needs. And we get these needy texts every once in a while. And I told her, I said, just hang on, honey. I said, God's got a time frame and he's given us the grace to walk through this. And I love my children. I love my family. Uh, I, this is what we do. But you understand that, that God's got a better plan. And we're just waiting for him to show up and make that better, better plan a reality. Because there's a place of rest that you can come to when you're under the pressure and, the, and the, the enemy wants to make you feel inadequate. But here's what God wants you to know. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. There's nothing I can't accomplish. Nothing you can't accomplish. You know why? Because you're in that place of rest. Oh, man. So I want to pray for you. I want to do something different tonight. Since we have these altars... I want you, I want you, let's just christen those altars tonight in a special way. Let's see what time it is. Yeah, it's only 8.08. We've only been here.